<laughs> Welcome to the Skeleton Crew's Nightmare on Elm Street Apology Show. <laughs> That's right. It's been eight years and they're starting to second guess the retrospective where they shit all over my movies. <laughs> they're wondering if they made a little mistake. Well, they did, bitch. Don't fuck with my movies, fucker. Tonight, Freddy gets his revenge. <laughs> but before I do, here are your hosts. Jamie Sammons, Dave Z, and Alex Edwards. Get ready for another look at the movies that haunted your dreams since 1984. So put down that coffee and toss that bottle of Hypnosil. <laughs> and if you think you'll get out of this re-examination alive, you must be dreaming. Welcome back to prime time, bitches. <laughs> yep, the skeleton crew is here. It is July 2023. I bet you didn't think you'd be hearing us right now. But here we are, and it's going to be uh, one hell of a show. We got Jamie Sammons. What's up, Jamie? It's a boy! Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than screw sleep. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. Yeah, I know. So crazy. Uh, but, Jamie, let's sit down with our main man, Dave Z. You've got the body, and I've got the brains. It's the best I can do. <laughs> what about fuck you? You sit down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the greatest, isn't it? You, you sit down. I'm so happy to be here. Holy shit. Woo! Uh, I know. Yeah, we are revisiting our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective from 2015. So basically the whole uh, idea of this show is that, you know, um, we did that retro. It's a pretty big name franchise, and Freddy's a huge icon in horror. He's just as big as Jason, Michael, uh, bigger than Leatherface. Uh, probably the same as Scream at this point, Scream Face, I assume. Uh, it's been just so many years, so probably on par with him at this point. Um, but Scream Face, Ghost Face, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's so he's such a big icon. I don't even know his name. So, <laughs> well, he was Scream Face before, right? You saw when when he was in the picture. Isn't that the picture was called Scream? Oh yeah, from back in the day. Yeah, right. I guess if people saw the the, the uh, portrait, they could call that a screen face. That's <laughs> just me getting names wrong again, and I didn't even do it on purpose. <laughs> so, uh, I was sitting around, and and I realized I posted back in June that <clears throat> that we did our retro. It just occurred to me that it was uh, June and July of 2015, and I basically said, you know. I wonder how people felt about that because we basically trashed two, four, five, six, seven, and half of us trashed the remake, I believe. And 
I remember how I felt when everybody trashed part two. So I'm just thinking, like, how did everyone else feel when we trashed four, five, six, and seven? Um, so if if I felt that way, because there's one I really like, then what did you all think? You guys who are huge Nightmare on Elm Street fans, like, that must have been really weird, right? Because... Normally when we do a retro, we don't just spend most of the time trashing things. Like, we didn't even do that with, like, uh, Phantasm. We really didn't do it with Scream. Texas Chainsaw, I think we're pretty kind to part... Well, me and Dan didn't like part two, but part three was kind of like whatever. But then we did Trash 4. But then I think it was back and forth with the remakes and stuff. So... And then uh, they probably felt like you felt when Brian and I did our Friday retro and you had to stop listening to part eight. (laughs) I knew Jamie wouldn't forget that. (laughs) Yeah, Jamie goes, so you've been listening to it all, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, really great stuff. And she's like, so what do you think of part eight? I go, well, honestly, I just I think I just turned it off. (laughs) He was like, he had to stop it like 10 minutes in. And I'm like, oh, come on. It was still funny even though i know i know it hurt your it was and i knew it would i knew it would yeah like if people like at least say something nice about something and then they kind of go back and forth then i could kind of handle it but i was just like i just kept slouching further and further down as i was listening to that show and i was like okay yeah i'm gonna go ahead and see that's exactly it i did say some positive stuff but you turned it off too soon you missed it wow see that see i might have to go back Patience. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, we want to. So, we're looking. We put a call out to the biggest, most hardcore fans of Nightmare on Elm Street and our Skeleton Crew group, and we found two guys to come on here. They, they are huge Nightmare on Elm Street people. We got Zach Nelson and Christian Craig coming on here. A lot of you guys might have heard Christian. He's He bounces around the podcast circuit. Uh, Zach Nelson, I do not believe, but uh, he's been a long-time listener, big supporter of the Skeleton Crew for a really long time. It's great just to have him on. And so is Christian, right, Jamie? Yeah, uh, I love them both. I am so excited to have both of them on the show. They are two listeners that I have had a great relationship with over the years. And I they're always incredibly supportive and kind. And I just, I'm so excited to finally talk to them both. Yeah, they're good buddies of mine. Uh, Nelson, Zach, and, and uh, Craig Christian. And so basically, they're the ones who said, well, we are huge fans, and we're like way into this whole entire thing. And (laughs) so I don't care. Listen, they could come on and say, you guys are assholes. You looked at this all wrong, blah, blah, whatever. We're just dying to hear how we possibly could have taken the wrong point of view on this. If we're wrong about any of this, uh, please explain how these movies are good. Uh, tell us what we're missing. Um, dying to hear it because you know when you when there's a phenomenon like Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street, you you do feel like how come I don't get it? There are people who don't like Friday the Thirteenth movies. They think they're just whatever. We we know we're in that camp of people who who do like Halloween movies, but most of them kind of suck. But we still kind of watch them in October anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> so some of them, <laughs> some of them. So we get it. Texas Chainsaw. Uh, I don't really watch two, three, four, 
or the remakes, really, or Leatherface, or 3D, or 22. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, what the fuck do I watch? Just the first one? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess. listen, this we could do this for probably every franchise, but, but this one in particular I was just curious about. Since we did it eight years ago this summer, or that summer, in July, June and July. So, uh, I think it would just be a great time to revisit that. And, uh... Talk to some fans. So what are you guys looking forward to with these two when they come on and and try to enlighten us? You know, I think what's going to happen is this. I think it's just going to be like when I when I did it, I reviewed it another time for Exploding Heads when we did it there. And like when part four comes around and you know my feelings (laughs) on four and um, Christian and um, and Brandon they are actually they actually like four, not as much as three or or one, but but they like four. So basically, everything that I pointed out, it just kind of falls on deaf ears. And like, yeah, you're right. I can't explain why that happens, but I love it anyway. And there's nothing you could say to people when they say that because <laughs> how can you answer? There's nothing like I don't understand why this doesn't bother. Like things that bother me. When I'm watching movies, if I see it, I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense, and this and this and this and this. How could this be this? And if you watch back, then why did this person do this? That doesn't make sense. So now, like me, when I watch something, if I pick up on something, my opinion on it will change. I'll be like, oh, you know what? This isn't as good as I thought. That's really stupid. Okay, instead of instead of this being a four, it's a three to me now. It's just I, I, I don't have it. But most people – they I always say this. They hold on to their opinions like like they're balls. They they never want to budge just because they declared love for it once. Right. They think it's like um so, uh, you know it's like an abusive relationship or something. They can't <laughs> get out of it. They're like, well, I love it and I don't care that you pointed this out and this and that and the other thing. I still love it and I still give it the same rating and I still have the same passions for it. And there's nothing you can do. So this is what I've learned about about taste over the years that most people will not budge and, and and we have no hope all we can do is try to do things cordially and have fun while doing them and, and nobody gets mad but that's what i expect they're gonna say yeah you know what that was a good point but but i also think that they are gonna bring some things since they're diehards like we would in a friday right. for example you know they're gonna say well actually this this and this and 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 maybe there's a couple times where the light bulb will go off and we're like oh you know what okay i don't love it but it's acceptable i hope that happens I think it, it may a few times. Someone tried to do that to me on uh, YouTube once, talking about part five, saying something about, I don't know, I have to look it up. It was something I had to do with Jason's mother. Oh, oh Jason five. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Did I say Jason? I, I meant Freddie's mother. Oh, okay. uh, and something that went down there and my timeline was incorrect or something. And I was like, hmm, you've made me think about it. But then I never went back to, to watch the movie again because I don't want to watch part five. But Well, don't anyways. forget now. For Resurrect Them, Halloween Resurrect you went from a 1 to a 2 Woo-hoo! in your rating. So Did I really? Yeah. So I came up. So you okay. did not hold on. You are willing. Well, that's me. Right. Yeah. I, most people can't. That's the one. I don't like myself, but the one good thing about myself is this. Like people say, I wish if, if there was one thing that I had that I wish everybody else in the world had, it was the ability to be talked into something using facts and, and to be able to have their opinion changed because that means you learn something. Most people are so stubborn, but right. that's, that's one thing I like about myself that I wish more people played that game where they could say, you know what? It's okay. I don't have to be right all the time. Right. So anyway. Well, I'm excited because 
I think I'm going to surprise the both of you with some of my recent takes because I just went through the whole series with Brian. He hates you for it, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say you he hated us last time. Yeah, he is not a fan, but he, you know, was like, I'll watch him with you, you know, and then he bitched the whole time, like toward the end, end ones. Yeah, tell him, listen, that was eight years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I picked up on a lot of things with this most recent watch that may have adjusted my opinion on certain things. We'll see. But I'm really looking forward to that. Because and oh and uh, full disclosure, I did not go back and listen to our old shows hmm. because I thought it would be fun for me to do this now with my current opinion and then go back and listen to how they were before and wow. kind of compare and see how I changed. Right. So I'm excited. Yeah, my prep is that I did not watch any of these movies, but I listened to all of our shows and I watched the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, Never, Never Sleep, Sleep Again. Again. Yeah, I watched part... Th- well, I already liked two, so I don't have to... I didn't have to do that. I watched four, five, and six documentary. Poor you. Oh, the documentary. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can't watch the movie. Right, right. Right. Now, now that that's another thing. Like, we can't even watch these movies. Like, Jamie has not watched those in eight years. I have not watched them in eight years. Dave probably, oh, I guess for when you did your retro, you had to do it again recently. I did. Yeah, but that was five years ago. So I think, you know, it's been five years. Okay, there you go. So these aren't even movies that we ever, like, pull out and, like, dust off unless it's for something like this. So, and I didn't even do that. So. Brian and I actually watched the first one just for the hell of it. Oh, yeah. Um, coincidentally, um, a couple months ago. And, uh, and, and, oh, yeah. uh, then I was like, you know what? We should go through this series. And he's like, Meh. and then we ended up doing it anyway. Right. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> Remember that whole <laughs> thing? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I watched the original like three times a year and, and, and probably part three. Right. Yeah. That's fine. No, we're, we're, we don't include the ones we don't, we do like, right. we don't care about that. Four and after. Right. Four and after are the ones we never touch. So Yeah. So let's ha- let's get these guys here in the, in, our, in the new new cleaned up dungeon, and we will um, see if they could turn us around on on four through. Well, I guess for you guys two, and then four through seven. And uh, Dave, I forgot. Do you like the remake or no? Yeah, I've all, I've always liked the remake. Yeah. Okay, so four through seven and two. Let's see if these two guys could turn us around on part two. Four, five, six, and seven. But before that, let's uh, listen back to what Freddy Krueger himself thought of our retrospective. What did he say at the end of it all after we reviewed the remake? Let's take a listen back to that. You'll get a pretty good idea of why we're, we're doing this. Freddy kind of demanded it. If you uh, if you listen here, check this out, and then we'll be right back with Zach Nelson and Christian Craig for part one of our Nightmare on Elm Street Revisited. Well, kids, I guess you survived this little nightmare. You know, these assholes talked a lot of shit about my movies. You know what, guys? They're fucking dreams. They're not supposed to make sense, you fucking idiots. What is everything, Jason or Michael 
or Leatherface do make sense? Make sense yourself, fuckers. It doesn't make sense that people listen to this show. <laughs> you guys suck. And the fact that so many of you thought this remake was pretty good shows that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So don't ever challenge Freddy. So anyway, to all you guys who are big fans of mine, thank you. And I'm sorry you put up with this shit for so long. Two months, man. Two months. Assholes. Well, the nightmare's over, kids. But you can always watch my movies over and over again. But more than anything, make sure you watch part two. That is my favorite of my movies. Part two, guys. That's the best one. Stop talking shit about it. Anyway, have a good night, kiddies. So, kids, until next time, Freddy Krueger saying, Bon Appetit, bitch. It's a boy! back here after a little break and we got our two guests in the dungeon with us so let me introduce these guys this is gonna be a fun one uh zach nelson what's up man hello baby oh god (laughs) (laughs) they're never gonna convince us are they (laughs) no thank you all for having me yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> it's going to be great. And Christian Craig, what's up, brother? What's up, everyone? Uh, I, I couldn't top that. I couldn't top that quote. So, you know, I was thinking I'm going to try. Especially since you chose from one of the best films in the franchise anyway. So. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be hilarious. I can't wait. Uh. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I guess so. I'll try to divide this out so this all makes sense. So, Zach, uh, what did you think when you first heard our Nightmare? Well, what did you think when you heard we were doing a Nightmare on Elm Street retro? Were you excited? Were you like, wow, this is going to be fun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so that was – so I, if I recall correctly, because it was a long time ago, but I think that was actually the first – like that was the first episodes that I was listening to you. Cause I, you know, big, and Friday you stuck fans, around. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was just, I was working a lot. And so I was always like, I want to hear more about different, uh, podcasts with Freddie and stuff. And so <laughs> I'm amazed that I continued because <laughs> well, it was different. <laughs> yeah. You guys were real tough, <laughs> but you know, you guys, you guys just had the great chemistry and, you know, we're, articulate so of course i had to keep listening so oh thanks so how did you feel well uh, actually we'll go back and forth it might be better okay so christian how do you feel when or what did you think when you first heard we were doing this um i think 
I think all of your shows were out or like just like recently out by the time I discovered you guys. Like I'm pretty sure it really was like around August of 2015, something like that, that I discovered you. And I already listened to a couple of your shows before. And then I listened to that retro. Then I took a couple of months off from you. And then I <laughs> <back into it. laughs> You're like, whoo, boy, that was a lot. Uh, yeah, let me get away from these guys for a minute. Uh, okay, so Zach, so what, what were you thinking when you were taking this this long journey and you were going one to the next to the next to the next? Oh, gosh. Well, I definitely had rose-colored glasses before I started listening again uh, to the these most, most recently because I was like, wow, you guys were really tough <laughs> on a lot of it. You weren't wrong on a lot of them, but I was like, wow, you guys were tough. You know, so I was like, you know, I'm I'm not like Joey from Nightmare 3. I'm not a master debater, so but <laughs> I'll do the best that I can. Uh, all right christian what did you think as you took this long journey yeah i even remember listening to just the first one and overall you guys didn't mind even i was like dang Mm -hmm. the original classic even was getting such flack which is (laughs) which is hard for me because the second or the sorry my second favorite horror film is the original nightmare on elm street so right um yeah, at first I was like, I was scared to go down the rabbit hole of the sequels because I was like, geez, if they're being so hard on the first one, <laughs> what's to come later? Which always shocked me because, and we'll get into it, I was always like, these people love Friday 13 so much, and I guarantee there's just as much flaws in that one, let alone this <laughs> franchise. So I was like, dang. <laughs> but then I kept listening, and then I got more and more bad, then I took my break, like I said, but then I came back. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um... So, uh, what did you do to prepare for this this podcast, Zach? Um, well, I went back down the rabbit hole and listened to all the episodes, and um, I did. Wa- I watched a few of the films, and then um, most, and then I um, watched the Never Sleep Again documentary. Uh, that was pretty much it, and did did some research online too. So, that was mostly what I did. Yeah. How about you, Christian? Yeah, uh, I listened to the main shows I wanted to argue, especially four and seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what I did do, I didn't have a chance. I was on vacation last week, and so I was trying to do what I could during my downtime. So I did, because uh, I have almost all of them on Voodoo, I just skimmed through certain parts of each movie in the franchise just to refresh some memory. Obviously, I've seen them all quite a number of times but it was just a nice little refresher here and there then i already started collecting my thoughts and some of my main points and then here we are right okay well see it's funny i was gonna jump around here and kind of focus on two four five six seven but uh i guess you're right i guess we kind of uh did point out a lot of strangeness about the first one so, although, so Dave and Jamie, you obviously love the first one, right? Yeah. Regardless of how strange and kooky and like how no, I think the thing that obviously we repeated most, I mean, if there's a phrase that we said 2,000 times in that retro, it was doesn't make sense, mm. <laughs> right? So, because so, Freddy. Because Freddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when you guys, because Alex, you mentioned it too, that we were really rough on seven. And um, I said, before the show that I didn't listen to any of our retro doing this because I thought it would be fun to do this show and get my current 
you know, opinions out there and then go back and see how they compare to the last time. So was I, surely I wasn't rough on seven. That's one of my favorites. That was the one you defended. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I still liked you at that point. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Cause I was just like, no, there's no way. Cause I've always loved new nightmare. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I'm just really excited. <laughs> I'm curious. Dave called it a total, uh, he was like, this movie is trying to come off like it's smart, but it's stupid like everything else. But it, it, it masquerades itself as a smart movie. That was this, I think that was the quote, correct, guys? Because you just heard it. Yeah, yeah. It still haunts my own nightmares. <laughs> but hold on. Part I one. I blocked it out like Nancy did in the remake. <laughs> <laughs> But, yo, I love part one. Part one is my number nine horror movie of all time. So I don't know what we said on the Mm. show. I know that they came down hard on it. I love it. And the thing, that was 2015. This is a movie that literally over the past, like, five years, uh, and it's weird to hear, I guess, sometimes when you've been watching a movie for 40 years. But I've come to love it more and more and more each time I watch it. I think it's it's brilliant. And I I think every seven minutes something significant or memorable happens in that movie, like a shot that that you see a picture. Just it's there's not there's not another movie like this. And the thing about the original is the the first like the intro from the the beginning of the movie opening credits up until after uh Tina gets killed is probably i think i don't know what like 20 minutes whatever however long it takes i think it's the best 20 minute start to, to any horror movie period so wow I, you know, yeah i just keep coming up more and more on it i i find it amazing even the sound effects tape <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna start. I'm not gonna start. That is funny. That is ridiculous. But hey, it's hey, it's the '80s, you know. Well, <laughs> the I, '80s. They were young kids. Yeah. Well, Brian and I just even before we had decided to do this, Brian and I just randomly watched the first one a little while back because we just we do. I mean, that's one that is because Freddie. Because because Freddie. <laughs> that's one that's in our regular rotation. But even then, what I've started doing more recently is movies that I've seen a lot. Because you know how when you watch something over and over again, it gets to the point where you could just play it in the background and you know it mm-hmm. and you don't. So you don't really pay attention. But I've started on films that I have been watching my whole life. I have started really paying attention to them. Just to see, and I have found that a lot of times that makes them so much more effective when you don't relegate them to just being in the background and you do pay attention. And one thing I noticed in my recent viewing of the original that I had never noticed before and I thought it was brilliant was when Nancy is telling Glenn her plan, you know, like, you, I want you to watch me. I'm going to go. Like, you know, she's going to go to sleep and he wants her to watch or he wants, God damn it. She wants him <laughs> to watch her and, you know, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And then he's like, you know, all right, whatever. And obviously he doesn't really like he doesn't really believe what's going on. Like he doesn't know. So at that moment in the film, we don't really know. I Like there's a, there's an ambiguity in that scene 
to where you can totally believe that what she's saying is completely in her head and none of nothing is really going to happen and you don't expect like i don't know it was weird the that even knowing the movie and knowing what's going on i found myself kind of falling into this going is she really going to go like what is she doing and then she just the next time we see her she's outside and she's in her pajamas <laughs> and then he she calls to him and up until the point where she calls to him and he sticks his head out from the trees she like this could just be real life like regular walking outside like i don't know i don't know how else to explain it but i think that I've never really noticed before how clever Craven was in that moment to give it a little bit of ambiguity. And then obviously when Glenn sticks his head out, it's obvious that she's dreaming. But for just mm -hmm. a split second there, you could believe that she wasn't actually going into the dream world, that she was just in real life and, I don't know, maybe even a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And one thing I love about lower budgets anyway, especially for like the first one, is it can play in terms of what's reality versus what's fake because they probably didn't have the money to make a super dreamlike location anyway. And so yeah. that's an example of not having that much money actually works in your favor because you're able to psychologically move the audience in some way, shape or form with what's reality versus what's fiction. I thought it was great. And there's the ongoing thing of it's, is it a dream or is it, is it really happening? Yeah. It's, it's always a nice kind of, surprise moment so as well as we know and, and argue later in the series too <laughs> well I did notice that a lot moving forward in the series too is there are several times when you're really not sure and and a couple of them in particular it's kind of all over the place and I'm like right. wait is it is this really wait what why <laughs> what uh, so but that's not necessarily a bad thing and we'll get you know we can get into that later but I um I did notice that they did try. I know one of the things we consistently brought up, I remember, is it was always, well, it's just, it, you know, it's a dream world. You can do anything. Like, it was like we, uh, I know that came up quite a bit. It was like, I guess because it's a dream. But um, my whole thing back then was uh, I want to be able to, I don't know, I guess I wanted to be able to tell. I didn't appreciate the ambiguity as much. And and now on this most recent watch, there are actually a lot of things I picked up on. So, Well, uh, Zax, what notes do you have uh, as far as what we said before and your rebuttals for part one? You know, on this on this watch, or on this listen, actually, on the first episode, I, I didn't think you, you guys were as hard as I, I think I remembered before. It, like, like you all said. So the one thing I actually, I really like Nancy as a final girl in, in the first one. Um, although yes, she does keep her mouth open a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. Um, I mean, if she has moles on her body, maybe that's questionable too, or a hairy bush. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was 1984. I do think that I, I really like what was so great about, this character is, and probably unlike a lot of, especially slasher films at that time or horror films in general, is that she really did. And I think Heather mentioned this in this in the uh, documentary too. Is she had so many relationships going on in this movie, you know? And I think that was what was, I guess, maybe humanizing ab about this character in particular is that yeah, she you know she had her best friend, and then of course then the her friend that 
you know, was accused of killing, you know, what's his name? Rod. And um, also her her boyfriend and her alcoholic mother and, you know, separated, disconnected father, who's the the sheriff or right. He's no lieutenant, lieutenant. And so I what I think was just amazing is that she did in that 90 minutes is that she had all of these different relationships going on. And I do think she was a, a really good final girl. And um, what about the acting, though? Didn't we kind of go after that? You did go after the acting. I don't know. Maybe I, I always, it's, you know, probably just because I'm just so connected to it through the years. I I always just found her very, um, very girl next door. So I, yeah. I, never, I never saw her acting as terrible. <laughs> or it's not like everyone else's was such Oscar worthy anyway that it really stood out. <laughs> Maybe. That's true. And one thing, and I'll, I, I agree with all those statements, especially because... One thing I love about Nancy, as opposed to some other final girls at the time, or she's on offense from movie one. Mm-hmm. Like typically, yeah. a lot of these slashers, it's you know th- just those last fifteen minutes of terror, and it's more defensive. It's just more trying to get out of the way. And then if they do come back, that's when they are very strong um, and just want to get over the shit. But from movie yeah. one, Nancy was full on setting up booby traps. She was losing her friends, people she really was close to. No one was believing her, and she was terrorized throughout the course of the 90 minutes as opposed to just 15 minutes of terror like some of these other slasher heroines are. So, I don't know. I just think, and she's just put in, because of that, like probably the worst situation out of most of these final girls, having seven days without sleep and still having to deal with all of this, but still being strong enough to do what she had to do. And so, regardless of what you think about Heather Langenkamp's performance, I think Nancy as a character is definitely worthy of being one of the best final girls we've had in a slasher movie well actually the most recent watch we had again um i told brian i said and and you know when the movie was over i'm like do you know what and he's like what and because i sometimes if you if it surprises you i'm sorry but talk a lot but I, (laughs) i told him uh I was like, you know, the thing about Nancy that is really impressive. And he's like, what? And I was like, up to this point in horror films and even mostly beyond, there have been some that stand out. But up to that point, she was the only final girl who didn't win by default, who Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. went after it. And like you said, she was going after it the whole time. She was active in trying to get him rather than being lucky enough to catch him when he wasn't paying attention and hit him over the head with an axe or something like she. Right. um, Most other final girls are just the only ones left. And then they're fighting to survive by the time you get to the end. And like you said, they're on the defensive. But yes, Nancy was, she is probably now, and I had never considered that before. I don't know why. It just never came to me. But now I consider her one of the most worthy final girls in any franchise because she was strong from the beginning. She was determined from the beginning. And yeah, she made plans and she went after this shit. So uh, I think she has been not lauded enough as far as being an incredible final girl. I mean, and groundbreaking. Yeah, he just he just opened my eyes too. like I never I never thought about that, that because most of these final girls, even the, the greatest ever, Ginny Fields, like even she had no idea what that Jason was doing anything until 
the moment um, they were in that black Pakanak Lodge because it was the lights were off, and then Jason attacked Paul. So, like, th- but that's pretty standard. Like, like you said, the last fifteen twenty minutes is is kind of their thing, and Nancy has. It's been a it's been a thing for the majority of this movie, even going to sleep, pulling his hat out. Like it's been it's like an ongoing battle through the entire movie. And I never in my life considered that. I never considered all the relationships that are basically more or less obstacles. Yeah, I mean just yeah, just, think, just-, just think of it as that the fact that not only is she dealing with Freddie and her dream world obviously affecting her real world but she she's dealing with the alcoholic mother that's locking her in the house and you know and preventing her from all this stuff and a boyfriend that doesn't still doesn't believe her even though we know he's having those dreams and being like why would you want to kill me you know and I don't know it's just and the and then the dad not really not believing her and just you know as she's like asking for help you know in the house then he has a doofus uh officer just standing out there going oh maybe i should get the lieutenant you know oh, that guy <laughs> it's like, like uh, he just yeah, told so it's, him it, go you know, come get me exactly <laughs> so it's like no matter how hard she and no matter how hard she tries you know i mean she can only save herself of course but she still has all of these forces against her not just fucking freddie but parents and and just authority basically even glenn's parents because she tries to save glenn <laughs> yeah and her dad won't hear it and he hangs up on her so <laughs> right like, we'll just even leave. his parents are, we'll just are just, i just feel like there's so much more that's against her <laughs> yeah that's all you got to do with these kids yeah. Oh no. I just I definitely feel like she was just in the worst situation out of most of these final girls we've seen before. So for her to come out on top like that, I don't know. She definitely is worth Oh yeah, and yeah, and fucking sleep deprived like you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a brilliant movie. It's a, it's a, I'm telling you this and people talk about slashers and what happened and this this movie took the the, the slasher formula and, and turned it on its head. It, it was a completely it revolutionized what was going on with slashers this mm-hmm. movie here and then you started seeing supernatural slashers after but not just because of supernatural slashers it's 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 amazing because of everything that you guys were saying about nancy and, and what you know and what you know heather has said about the relationships and everything and it, it, the, the, the typical final girl it hadn't been done that I 100% agree. It, it changed so many things. Later on, things got changed again, it, more so for the worst because the comedy started coming, and then and then horror got comical uh, again from like 88 and on, like too much. But yeah. this movie here, what it did, it was what the slasher movie needed. To be honest, this is it was the same thing from like you know 1980 to like 1984. It was the same thing. Let's find a new gimmick and a slasher and a mask and and, and a reason and whatever. And it was great. I love them. But they started to dwindle. People wanted something new, and this was it. And, and something else. This this is the one movie of all of them where I can excuse anything because this is one that I truly believe the whole thing is a dream. Right. This is the one. And what happens is at the end of the movie, when she tells him you're nothing, you're shit, the dream ends. Right. That dream ends. But the but the scary part of it all is as soon as that dream ends, this is my interpretation. When she opens the door and sees her mother out there, the next dream begins. That's why they're alive again. That's what happened. It was like she survived the first dream. She beat Freddie, but she only beat Freddie for one dream. He has the power to come back in the next one, and he does. And 
And that's what I love about it. I, I mean, I, I probably interpret it. I'm sure many people interpret these movies differently because of the whole dream thing, but this one in yeah. particular. But I just think this movie is just—it's absolutely brilliant. There's, there, uh, I adore it. So I'm with you guys. Right, and I think Dave, like you hit, you hit it on the head too. I mean, the movie, even the title itself is a nightmare on Elm Street. It's like meaning one, right? It's not nightmares on Elm Street. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's exactly what they were going for. Even though it's a little muddled, I think, you know, it took me decades to realize that it was a dream the whole time, <laughs> you know? So wait, is that what you're saying? Because what what about, like, that's just Dave's interpretation, but we have all these issues with, like, the mom disappearing in the elevator bed and all that. Like, what do you have to say to that? Like, are you saying... I don't know. I feel like the only things that were convoluted were more in the final act anyway, and so I like to think that it was just those parts that were all the same dream. To make those make sense, because I do like the idea of it going back and forth between real world and dream world. And so for me to still have that, <laughs> I like to say that only the last 20 minutes were still a dream. Yeah, that's still that's always been, a, I think, or kind of a debate because Wes Craven, I don't think he ever really came out and said anything on what. But some people yeah, believe that the whole movie from start to finish is a dream. Other people feel like it was like once she went to sleep that last time. Yeah, it's. You see, I'm not buying that because <clears throat> that's a very... It's too easy. Well, no, it's just that <clears throat> to think that this high school girl had this dream where all these rules are established, like, Freddy, if he kills you in your dreams, he kills you in real life, and you could go to sleep and then tomorrow wake up and there's a slash across your chest or something, and then you could pull his hat out of the dream, and that, that tells me I could pull him into real world. Like, you're telling me she dreamed all these things? And then, <clears throat> like, just, it would just seem too complex. And uh, there's a lot of rules here for, for someone who's just having a dream. Right. And I know we're not there yet, but in Dream Warriors, she does state that all of her friends are dead. So you, you can't assume that that stuff did happen. Well, and then one of the I forget which one um, they talk about her mother um, killing herself. Yeah, Dream Warriors. Yeah. No, part two, I thought. That was in Freddy's Revenge. Yeah, the second yeah, one. Yeah. OK, that's what he I thought. He did but say that. Me. I never understood that. Yeah, he goes, her mother killed herself in our bedroom. I, I remember that, right? That never made sense to me. Because then again, they said something in part three with when when the father comes in, you know, basically, you know, and he's like, you know, I, you know, you always had a problem understanding that Freddy Krueger isn't real. And then they talk about the mother being dead. So that's a little weird. Well, Well, in terms of suicide, I like to think that we're talking about teenagers probably spreading rumors. That's what I was in terms of there. Yeah. Like easily (laughs) it just got out that that's what happened. And then that's just the rumor that kept spiraling. Good call. Yeah. Well, That's because if I you look at Freddy's at uh, yeah, um, if you look at Freddy's Revenge, that he actually tells him the story. He's like, "Oh, you moved into that house," and um, and he's like, "Yeah, so what?" And then he, you know, the story that he's telling is that the girl there went crazy, mm-hmm. and and we know when her boyfriend got butchered across the street. Yeah. Yes. That she watched yes. him get butchered and then she went crazy, but we know that didn't happen. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know how you have an old spooky house on, on your street and there are stories, you know, people uh, make up stories and, or things get passed along. It's like a bad game of telephone. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> right. Just say telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, 
<clears throat> you don't have to do much convincing with us for this one. Um, sure, there are things that you're going to discuss in a retro. That's just how it is. Um, but overall, I also watched this again two or three years ago, and <clears throat> I was fine with it. And nothing that I said in the retro spun around in my mind while I'm watching it. You know, that was just entertainment value. But I'm, it's not like we're making things up. I mean, it's this is all for entertainment value, but... But those just are observations, but they're not like the kind that um, are going to spoil future viewings. So not much hard work, but you still did a great job on this one. So I think uh, this one has a seal of approval. So let's <laughs> let's go for <laughs> the next one. Now, you're not going to have to convince me of anything, but with these two, uh, good luck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us tell us why Freddy Part 2 is so good. Well, first of all, Alex, I'd like to, I wanted to ask, uh, so since this is a sequel to the retrospective, is this why you have me on here, a gay? (laughs) (laughs) You try to make it the gay retrospective? Oh, absolutely. I need a gay guy in all my sequels. A gay. (laughs) A gay. A gay. Well, gosh. Okay. Where do I start on this one? I think what's great about this film, okay, so obviously they didn't know where they were going with the with the sequel. You know, they didn't really know what really worked with the first one versus the second one. Um, I almost consider this one as sort of like if, as if it were almost like an anthology sort, kind of like a Freddy's Nightmares sort of situation a little bit. I mean, I know that's that that one would be a harder pill to try to argue, but. To me, it's it definitely is. This one is like the haunted house uh, possession Freddy movie. Oh yeah! But even with all of that, um, it's uh, I think it's 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 still it's a really good movie. It's it's scary. It's it's still dark. It you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's a lot of s- symbolism in it for you know for whether it was intentional or not supposedly but you know there was there was a lot of great things about this movie that are still effective it had a great soundtrack um oh yeah great dialogue it was very very campy i don't know my friends and i we always make we always did drinking games for any time we saw anything that was semi-questionable in it with any kind of gay situation <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun drunk game you know i would now, recommend who was rushed off to the hospital first for alcohol poisoning Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just kidding. No, but okay. So, so you uh, being gay, like, did that have any impact on you as far as how much you like this? Did it make it make you like it more or less or what? Um, you know, at the at the time growing up, I I actually did not put a lot of it together at the time when I was you know six seven years old, of course. But as time went on, of course, I did. But I actually I relate to other characters in later films, funny enough, that are not gay, but um, compared to Jesse, because I, I definitely didn't see myself as Jesse because he was Jesse was kind of a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but I think what was, you know, so once again, the final girl, it was it was more of a final girl story, actually, still, even though Jesse was the lead character, the Lisa character it was more of the the final girl, but no, I I appreciate it more now because it it definitely it's it's really pop you know it's still really popular in 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 the in the queer world and you know people people appreciate it and people do see it for 
for being a positive. It, I think it's positive too. I just I didn't relate to it as much as I, you know, right. thought I maybe would have <laughs> at the time. But I think I was just too young to get a lot of the hints at the time. But now it's so gay, you know. I mean, even you know, <laughs> twenty years ago, it was like so gay to me. But yeah, see, I I'm straight, and I did not realize. I, I don't know why. I guess I just chalked it all up to the eighties. Well, yeah. they also denied it for many, many, many years. You know, yes. you had the writer going, no, this isn't gay. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> really? yeah. well, it was obvious with the S&M and the teacher. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that was blatant. Right. Right. That was the most blatant. Sure. It was there. It was it was part. And the thing is, how weird is this? What if this movie, I've, I've often thought about this, what if this movie would not have just so happened to have cast Mark Patton as this character? What if, who's who's an openly gay man and who, you know, it just, it, it, it kind of adds to the, the, the mystique and the, the whole, you know, the gay thing happening in the movie. But what if it was Johnny Depp in this role instead? Would people still be having the conversation as much as they have it? It's just, isn't it odd that they just happened to also cast, upon everything else, a gay man in the role on top of it all? Yeah. Well, I don't think he was out yet. When he, he wasn't made this out. Movie. Yeah. No, he yeah. wasn't out. Yeah. I know, but I think everybody kind of knew this. By the time it became the gay uh, nightmare, he we all knew it was out by then. I yeah. think, regardless of who it was, those things would still be there just because of the direction. Because you have, or even the set design and things. Like, you know, he has that sign on his door that's like, no girls allowed. There's the probe game in his closet. There's all those balls <gasps> that play. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but did, who watched Dahmer? The show. I did. Uh, me. Did you notice in the first episode, I think it was the first episode, and I never mentioned this to anyone since I saw it. And I watched it with my wife and I said, stop, rewind, pause, let me show you this. That when Dahmer opened up his closet, he had a probe game up Yes, there. yes. Yep, I, I told my wife. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, sorry, I just didn't know if anybody noticed this because no one's ever said it. And I, I noticed it right away. I'm like, that that is a nod to freaking Nightmare 2. That's awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm. I um and yeah I think those elements well and of course there's the S and M thing like you know has already been mentioned and I actually never realized until I watched it this time that Grady mentioned that in the very beginning of the movie like when they're yeah he said Snyder hangs out at the queer S and M joint yeah yeah I yeah. never heard that line before I don't know why but what. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. And it, honestly, it's because I traditionally did not like this film because it went so far away from what was established, I thought. But now watching it now, I really don't have I don't really have any issues. Some things don't quite still make sense to me, like the whole party situation. Um, how? Like, I don't understand. Like, they're not sleeping. So uh, we had a million questions like, so what's he doing there? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. If it's Jesse the whole time, why are they talking to him like that? How do he jump through a floor? Exactly. How do he jump through a window? How do he disappear into a fa Like yeah. we couldn't figure anything out. Why are hot dogs popping off? Why is the you know water boiling in the pool? It's so weird. It's well, like it reminds me of I'll one of those boxes, you, you know, one of those gag boxes where you open it up the box and there's another box inside. You open it up and there's another box inside. That's 100 percent what this movie is like. Fred, it's Jesse, and then Freddie emerges out of him at the end. 
Jesse emerges out of Freddy. It's like, how many layers of you guys are there? <laughs> well, and you know, the kids. reason why that the hot dogs mm. were popping is because Freddy finds wieners hot. (laughs) (laughs) And interesting enough, it's the only one with just a little bit of male nudity and the only one, well, until the very end with, I think, just all male victims. Uh, Absolutely. I even even made a note of that uh, because it it surprised me, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I never realized that it, wow, it had all male victims and so many of them. And this was like one of the highest body counts of any of the nightmare films. And cause they, and I didn't realize this either, but they don't really have high body counts, you know? Um, no, it's more about the psychological terror. It's right. Yeah. And uh, then when we got to the end of that, when I was like, Holy shit, those were all men. Like it, it was just, it was bizarre wow. because that's not something you typically see in a slasher film. And, but I liked it. I, 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 I like it. I, I, I like it. I, 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 I like it. There's also, um, I mean, that whole scene with Grady where he goes into his bedroom and he's like, yeah. you know, oh, amazing. You've got this girl out there who, you know, who wants you or whatever. And you want to sleep with me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all, well, I would. Yeah. But... Yeah, me too. <laughs> that fake leather comforter. <laughs> oh my god, I noticed that too this time. And I was like, what is that? And wouldn't that be hot? Like, uh, that right? Really- well, I've never seen a character sweat so much more in my life than right. Jesse. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't need lube for him. <laughs> yeah, just a little sweat. Uh, what, what What did you guys think when, when we... Well, I guess you didn't know this, but we deliberately did not mention a single gay thing in that movie i guess the feeling was every single review you will ever hear mm-hmm. ever is just going to be bogged down by gay 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 and they're not really gonna get into the movie itself like there's mm. i mean they will but it'll be more like 25 percent of the review and we kind of wanted a hundred percent of the review and we felt enough people have trampled the gay thing like long enough and we we're like let's do something different let's really just act like that's that's not the thing that's like totally like tinting the whole view of this whole thing and let's just watch it like it's a movie and 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 stop with with that whole aspect and see what we think of it then and maybe it, it'll it'll open a whole new uh avenue of observation so wh- what did you guys think about that which i think is what the filmmakers intended they would have been outright saying this is a gay movie when it first came out, if that was their intention. But the fact they were denying right. it for so but long means it probably came down more to editing. Because I feel like it's one of those things where there's nothing so completely outright gay in the movie. But there's so many little – there's so many little subtle things that end up becoming not subtle, if that's yeah. what makes sense. Right. Well, think about the movie before, and this is only a year before. They're freaking <laughs> – they tell the guy – that he has to make up a fake Italian last name because he was a Puerto Rican actor or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's just a year before. So you can't expect them to be <laughs> embracing gay lifestyle one year later, one before the year before. They don't even want to promote a Latino. You know, it's freaking right. crazy. Yeah. It's but what a world. You, uh, if you do watch this film through that lens, I think it gives it much more depth. Uh, I actually, because I 
I really did that on this watch. I was like, let me let me just watch it uh, through and keep in mind this gay undertone, you know, like and what does this bring to the story? And I actually think it brings a lot to the story and I think it changes the meaning of the entire film and especially scenes like, you know, um, Freddie crawling out of Jesse, you know, like it, it's like, it's, it's like you have this person inside, but you can't, uh, you can't express that to anyone. You can't be, be who you really are. And, you know, things are better with that now, but particularly back then it was, you know, this was even before Ellen lost all her sponsors because she came out. I mean, I, it's so it's so difficult for me to think of those things happening in my lifetime, but I was there for them and they did. But like, you know, because then we went on to have shows like Will and Grace, which was all gay, you know, so it's <laughs> but, you know, so it's really hard to think, wow. I mean, I remember when Ellen came out and all of her sponsors just fled. They're like, nope, 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 nope. And we had had gay characters and shows you know, forever, but it was the fact that she was the main character and that's what they had an issue with. So this was even before that. And so mm. it all feels very clandestine, you know, like it's like it's under the surface, which is exactly how a gay man would have had to live back then. And well, do you feel that we did a disservice to ourselves or the review by not tackling that aspect? Um, no, I think at the time you... Uh, your point about it being all that people were talking about when they talked about that movie is correct because yeah. at that time it was really big as far as that was what everybody wanted to point out like that's it right yeah and most of the time it was like they were the first ones who noticed it like oh I figured this out you know but right. um, and you decided that and I agree that you wanted to focus on more of it and so people didn't have to hear exactly the same things the over same and thing. over and over again and right. um well we're making up for it today yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i i now when i watched it this time i that's one thing that i really do like about it and so i don't i still have the same issues i had with it before to an extent but now that i like am really paying attention to all the little subtle things that are going on in the film that apparently the production wasn't aware of. Like, I don't even get that. Like, you know, they're just like, nope, it wasn't gay. Like, what are you talking about? Weren't you there? <laughs> like, right. But now it's... Yeah, and I will, I I will say too, ethical. though, Alex, listening to your uh, the previous one is, I thought it was well-balanced. I That didn't even come to my mind, really, that it wasn't overly talked about. It, it, you did touch upon it, so... I don't feel that you did it a disservice at all. So okay, it didn't even come to my mind actually until you just said it. So 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 you guys weren't listening and like looking around, going, "Are they going to mention this or what? Like, what's happening here?" You mentioned it a little bit, so I think that was that was more than yeah. And, there, there's no way you can't at least mention it. But I yeah. was very excited. That's not all you were talking about. Oh, good, great, okay, good. Yeah, no, you, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, you brought up good good perspectives on it and. And it is true, and it's it, exactly right. I think with Jamie is like, yeah, you have this, you have this, you have this Freddy inside of you that wants to come out and murder everybody, and you're not able to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I am not calling gay people murderers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just do a little stabbing here and there. Cancel. <laughs> but no, 
No, but I, I it complete. I think you know it's it, it's it is relatable in that way, especially you know in the, even now. I mean, there's still so many controversial controversial things about being gay that still you know still constantly coming out that people still have a problem with. You know, so yeah. So I mean, I to to try to come out saying back in '85, oh, we're trying to make a gay film. No, that would never happen. It barely happens now, still, unless it was severely a low budget film or you know. An independent yeah, not for a mainstream. As far as what we did talk about and what these two and Mike trashed in this movie, what is your rebuttal to to that? Like, basically, they had a problem with Jamie's big thing is why is a guy with such an incredible power as to go into your dreams and kill you? Why on earth would you ever want to just be a regular dude running around a pool party slashing people? So dumb. Um, They hate the sleepwalking aspect. They hate that you don't know who's the one killing Snyder, who's the one at the pool party, who's the one who's jumping through windows, who's jumping out of the floor, what's happening here, what's the dog faces with the human faces, <laughs> what the hell's the ending, like, all that. What do you have to say about, like, that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, well, for one thing, just in terms of the movie in general, I do have to give props for them already trying to do something different with just the first sequel. Because typically with a lot of these franchises, what they want to do is just replay the same thing over and over again a few times and then try to make some changes. So I actually do think it was bold of them, regardless of what you think, to be like, you know what, we're already going to change up some of this narrative and have a final girl, or in this case, um, guy, who is basically the opposite of Nancy. So they really were just trying to be like, you know what, let's just change things up so then people aren't thinking they're going to get the exact same movie. So I do have to give them props for that. Right. Um and honestly, in terms of Freddy wanting to come out into the real world, I was thinking back to what they said in the next one, Dream Warriors, that those kids were the last of the Elm Street children. At that point, those were the only ones he was able to kill. And so I kind of figured he was going to want to get into the real world because he was getting more limited in terms of who he was going to be able to kill in the dream world anyway. Yeah. And so then having him into the real world would give him a chance to continue going. And obviously there are still some supernatural elements in there, but since we don't really understand, we weren't sitting down with Freddie and know what his powers are versus what his powers are not. So since he was already dead, maybe he did still have some powers in the real world, but maybe they were just a little bit more limited than in his dreams. Um, and so I don't know who knows, but I think, but, but that's my logical reason for why he would want to be in the real world in the first place. That's that's kind of what I, that's where I was going with that too. Is that before Dream Warriors? I mean, we only thought maybe that these four kids' parents were the ones that torched Freddy. I mean, we didn't know, like you know, they didn't go into detail. So I think it was definitely yeah. It was like where where does he go now? And since he's killed these people and he was vanquished by uh, Nancy in the first one, I think also maybe being vanquished in that house kind of put him there. You know, kind of you know when. You know, like when a ghost haunts a house, you know, or something happened, you know, he was kind of killed there or whatever, you know, I mean, I don't know what it, what you would call it, but, you know, he and he had the glove there. So something, you know, kept him there in that house. So I think the, the logical thing was he, if he couldn't enter and if we're going by Dream Warriors logic or anything like that, where it could only be the Elm Street kids, maybe it's because he... Yeah, he was haunting the house and needed a conduit to to continue to kill people. Hmm. 
Well, I think when he jumps up or when he's at the pool and he says, you know, you're all my children now, that might be driving home your point that now, like I ran out of kids, but now I've got a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. He just has a child lust. He wants to kill children of any. It's weird. He doesn't really go after adults. He just wants the people's children for some reason well to be honest that's probably worse for them to, to lose their own child would have been worse than them dying themselves right mm -hmm. yeah and then he was a child killer in real life so i guess it makes sense that you want to get them before they turned 18 to, to, <laughs> yes. to get his revenge um then then yeah i guess it kind of makes sense that he would go after their kids and also, there's the whole thing about, you know, how as you grow older, you don't hear the bell anymore, you know, for like Polar Express or, you know, we we there's that whole running theme that is in a lot of media that as you grow up, you lose your imagination and maybe adults just aren't as as I don't know, uh, susceptible, susceptible to, to his power. I just pulled that out of my ass, but who knows? <laughs> Well, obviously, the point of this show is them trying to open us up and convince us these are good movies. Now, has that explanation helped either of you two? Yeah, I actually, um, even upon my most recent watch of this film, I have a much greater appreciation for it. And uh, like I said, I'm still going to have issues. Like, the whole Snyder thing, I still don't understand. Like... Yeah, what is happening there? Did right. he actually find him in the gay bar? Did he did all the and then because does that make sense that you would run into your teacher at this bar and your teacher would, <laughs> would then take you, you back to the school and run laps <laughs> in the middle of the night? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. OK. OK, guys, guys, make sense of this. What are the balls? What are the jump ropes? Who's this? Who's why is Freddie coming out of the steam? And then why is it Jesse at the end? What's happening here? Because I, I don't even know. I was trying to defend it and I couldn't even answer anything. Well, I will say the one thing I noticed on this watch is that, you know, after he <laughs> makes him run laps and, and sends him to the showers. Yeah, he's if he's already sent him to the showers, he would not. That means he's done with his, his punishment. Right. I mean, like with the working out and everything. But mm -hmm. he grabs a jump rope and he he's from an S&M club. So I'm like, is he going to molest Jesse or, you know, rape him or whatever it is? Oh, shit. You know, I don't know. That, <laughs> that was just something that came to my mind this time because I'm like, well, why? And he's still in his leather outfit and everything like right. that. So as for the balls, I mean, other than that's just a s stupid symbolic Thing. I don't know about Christian. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to well, say about be, the balls? Well, as we know, Freddie likes to psychologically terrorize his victims anyway. So maybe those balls were alluding to something, but <laughs> they seem to be going after the coach. Um, or it's some just way, not that deep because he's a PE teacher. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's true too. It could just be those are the that's the shit that would be in a PE teacher's office. Yeah. It just. Um, I don't know. And then but then you have the the towel snapping on his ass, which is <laughs> locker room antics. Well, I, as we know, since he likes to terrorize, he's just using the things that the PE teacher likes against him. Yeah, and he is he does hang out in S at an S and M bar, so yeah. he gets tied up in the shower and you know, he gets a towel snapped on his ass. 
What you didn't know is that Schneider was leaned up against a glory hole, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Is that, that for him, that wasn't a nightmare. That was just a dream. He's like, oh, this ain't so bad. Maybe another scary movie sequel, but... Yeah, really. (laughs) Well, you know, I've always liked this movie. It's always been one, three, and then this one. So I've liked it. I don't love it the way Alex did, but I've always... You know, I've always enjoyed it. It's very nostalgic for me. I just had to call out things that I didn't understand, which we're still talking about them now. Which was everything. <laughs> the exploding birds. Yeah. Right. I see. I don't mind the exploding bird because it's 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 funny. <laughs> it's hysterical. So I kind of like that it's there. And you can explain. I don't know. Maybe you can't explain it, but uh, I'm the, glad it's yeah. there. And this yeah. is the movie to do it in. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't know. This is personally for me actually the lower end on my list. I've grown to appreciate <laughs> sorry <laughs> I've grown to appreciate I love a good 80s movie so this definitely still fit that 80s vibe um, Freddy was still scary I think he's still he had a little bit more screen time than the first one but not too much to the point that it was the Freddy show still and so I do think that balance was still right so regardless of if I care about this movie the same as the others or not I have grown to appreciate this and think it is a good time Right, and it's a dark. That's what I. That's why I prefer it to the other ones after because. Oh, Freddy's amazing. Right, there's no comedy. Freddy's dark and freaking. There's less dialogue and it's scarier as a result. Where anything after three, to me, there's nothing scary about it. It just got yeah, yeah. too many one-liners. That's just me. You know? Well, and you wow. have those moments where Jesse wakes up when he is about to kill his sister. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is really, really dark. You know, at that point, um, well, and even beyond, Freddie has (laughs) Freddie is not in the habit of, you know, forcing people to kill their own loved ones. You know, he's doing it. He's going after them. But this was if, you know, if Jesse hadn't woken up when he did, he would have killed his sister. And that if you I mean, you think about that, that is fucking horrific. Oh, yeah. No, this movie is amazing in, in a lot of ways. Like, you got the iconic uh, pool scene, the iconic bus scene in the beginning. You have uh, You Got the Body, I Got the Brain scene. And I think the best performance is the one I recreated when I did the retro um, with Jesse ex- coming back after killing Brady and explaining it to Lisa. I mean, that performance is out of this world. Oscar worthy. Oh, absolutely. Like, even when I was recreating it, I couldn't believe what I had to do. I was like, Jesus, this guy really went all out here. Like, <laughs> I, I, li- I literally had to really, like, replay this over and over and over and over. And I just I just knew that I had to really go all out to even just do what he just did on a regular day of acting. <gasps> Jesse, my God, what happened? I killed him. I killed him. Jesse, my God, you're hurt. What happened? I, I killed Grady. I killed Grady. Lisa, I killed Snyder. Oh, Mom, my God. I'm so scared. Jesse, what are you talking about? He's inside me. I'm scared. Jesse, who is doing this? Fred Krueger. He's inside me, and he wants to take me again. No, no. Jesse, Jesse, this is not happening. 
It's, it's got to be everything you've taken in. Uh, Schneider, the, the diary, the glove. Only it's all mixed Christ, what do I have to do to make you understand me? <laughs> That's not who tried to make me kill my sister. <laughs> I got blood on my hands. He owns me. <laughs> Holy shit, that was brilliant, sir. Thanks, man. I really, I really felt, uh, I really just dove into the character. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot to this movie. And this is, this movie was the one I remembered the most because of those iconic things I'm talking about. I never thought of the gay thing until... I don't know, what was it, like, 2004, 5, 6, or whenever? Whenever it really became, like, a public thing on the internet or whatever. I didn't think about that stuff. I would just have thought it was, like I said, the 80s. I thought yeah. some stuff in the 80s, uh, I guess now. Like, how many times have we said these guys have a bromance? Like, people make fun of Zack and Slater. People make fun of uh, Johnny Utah and Bodie and Point Break. Like, these bromances, oh, that's gay, whatever. Like, people do that all the time for stuff in the 80s and, and 90s. Like, it's not the weirdest thing to... Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Top Gun is a huge one. There you go. Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway <laughs> <laughs> Camp. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Me too. That's all I thought was happening here. I didn't really think it was gay until it became a thing. So, uh, so have they have they convinced you guys at least? I know you're not going to go where I am with this, but are you at least getting to like uh, a four out of five? I would say, yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm. I'd say I could go there. Wow, I'm almost there. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm <laughs> quite that high, but I. But you know, some of what they said helps a little bit. I still don't – but it's like I said. I still can't make sense of certain things and, and until I can make more sense of it. I mean they help make sense of it a little. But so it's it, – it, this is just one of those movies that it's always there for me that I always like it and that I always recommend it. But you know, it's it's still oddball. It's still – So are you still going to give it the cop out? No. I'm not going to give it the cop out. No. I'm going to come a little high. I, I, I would say three and a half. Wow, okay. that's still pretty good. That is, yeah. Good. <clears throat> I think we have mission accomplished here. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, this has run long already, so let's gloss over three because I think everyone's okay with that. So, so let's let's go to more of the problem areas here. So, so now four is now. I noticed that part four is not as good as everybody thinks it is. I it just occurred to me that it's like some kind of wannabe part three. But it didn't have the the amazing cast. It didn't have the amazing iconic imagery. It just didn't have any of that. It just seemed like a fake. It seemed like Saved by the Bell, the new class. To give another Saved by the Bell, I analogy. was literally about to say it was Saved by the Bell meets Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> that was the same. Oh yeah, wait. It actually was right. Wasn't there like a girl who looked like Lisa Turtle and Screech Lisa had a kid? And Screech had a child. Right, and that's her. Right. Well, the one girl looked like, what's her name? Tori. The, yeah, Tori. Yeah, biker. Yeah, right. It's so weird. So it's weird that I gave that analogy because it, it really is like Saved by Bell, the new class. Like, I, I think the real cast of Saved by Bell is like for, uh, Nightmare 3, and then this is like the new class. So it's just, <laughs> it, it, it has some iconic things, like the girl getting sucked up down in the class, and, and it has um, it has the my favorite Freddy kill at the end, 
with the the bodies coming out and pulling his face and all that. I love that, but I hate the reason it happened by the mirror or whatever that was. But um, yeah, well, the all mirror. The rest, let me say this quickly about the mirrors. If he was really, if he really couldn't see himself in the mirror, <laughs> then what about that scene in part three when all those mirrors are happening? He's laughing at each other from one mirror to the other. <laughs> there were mirrors all over the place in part three in that part. Right. I don't know. Anyway, I'll. St- I-, I don't want to start shitting yeah. on it again. Actually, these guys listened to it recently, so I'm not going to say anything. I- I'm seriously. I'm not going to say. Heard enough of you, I- Dave. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sitting back. <laughs> I'm giving a brief overview of why they're here and why we have to do this. Um, so I think we had a problem with that. We had a problem with, um, I think the kills we were kind of okay with. Uh, I think the character, we didn't we didn't think uh, Lisa Wilcox was a great, uh, oh, is that her yet or no? Are we still doing the Tuesday night? Oh, no, wait, where are we? Um, Tuesday night, right? Tuesday night was Kirsten. Kirsten. Then- yeah, we didn't like that. I actually on this watch didn't I, I didn't think she was that bad. I mean, she, you know, she was she was fine. Um, one thing I really give this series credit for on this time around is that they are probably one of the franchises that has attempted to keep their timeline as clean as possible. And yeah. I and they like they did a really they put in a lot of effort to keep the continuity going. And that's not something you might necessarily realize unless you watch them in a row like I just did. And uh, but it's true because if you look at the and I paid attention because Brian and I will eventually do one of these for Patreon like down the road. So I just went ahead and took notes while I was watching them now just to get that out of the way. But like, so on our, when we do retros, we keep track of obviously the kill counts and uh, anything specific about those films, uh, like favorite dream or whatever, when it comes to the nightmare series. And then we also, uh, I always try to see how good the timeline is and if it makes sense. And at least in the beginning, it kind of goes to shit later on um as far as the years are concerned but in the beginning it wasn't bad you know because the first one came out in 84 the second one's supposed to be five years later the third one is six years after that and that's actually said in the film and then um from three we get the character of kirsten and then or is it Kristen or Kirsten? Kristen. Kristen. Okay, we get the character. Oh, yeah, Andale. <laughs> we get the character <laughs> yeah. oh, of boy. Kristen who continues into four. Then we lose her. Then we pick up Alice. And Alice then continues into five. And, like, you, you know, it's they really tried. And I never paid attention to that before because I never watched them, like, just right one right after the other right and this which is time i did that which is cool interesting though. because when i was watching all these franchises but like my friends per se they were able to finish all of the nightmare on elm street but they couldn't get past uh part four of friday the 13th mm. wow personally because they're like there's no one for us to be attached to they're like who cares right. it's gonna be new people each time anyway they don't care who's gonna live because they know they're not gonna move on to the next one yeah, but that's that's a staple in in horror. Well, that's a staple right. in horror. But what, that's what I'm saying is that's what makes Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, a little different. different. I like having yeah. a protagonist I could root for and not mm-hmm. just focus on the villain. Like the villain. Well, could, that's why you like Scream so much. Then well, that's right? why Halloween I love Scream. Too. Halloween and Scream. They have survivors. You know. Right. Yeah. Except Halloween still has its 
I don't 14 timelines, but <laughs> but beyond that, but that's what I like about Nightmare on Elm Street is even if it's not the same protagonist in every movie, there's still there's a transition over to someone else for a couple films and you get and to see still more connected. about them. Yeah, they're still yeah. connected. And some of the stakes are raised because a character you may have really enjoyed a Dream Warriors, aka all three of them, end up being taken out in the first half. And so right, I do right. see some stakes involved in all that too. And so I, I don't know. I'm not one of those that I just root for the villain. That's all I care about. I would love other characters for me to root for as well. And I feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street gives that to me. And I don't think any less about Alice with that too. Right. You know, this is better for normies too. What are normies? Normies. They're normal people. We got to hide from them. They hate us. If you think about it, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street is better for normies because they have the, the set designs and the cool effects and Freddy's kills and the comedy and stuff like that. There's something that they could laugh at and there's something that they could go to where, you know, and, and, and the normies also like the new Halloween franchise because they can relate to Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode coming back. The other ones, it's like it's like he said. It, 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 if you're just watching, if you're watching a slasher just to see kids get bumped off in cool, creative ways and having an end, and that's your thing. But there's nothing for normal people that want to see something that's horror. This is a good franchise for it. So I, I, I get, I get why it's you know honestly, if you look at all all the franchises, the major ones, and you say well, which one is the more not family friendly, but the more like you know for the mainstream. You got to go Halloween, but not all of it. Just the stuff with Jamie Lee Curtis, and then probably Freddy, right? Doesn't that make sense? Right. Yeah. Well, and he became iconic yeah. in the mainstream. You know, so much to the point that he got his own TV show. So, yep. uh, happy birthday, bitch! And they explore that in New Nightmare. And I think they do a really good job of it because even though in real life Jason is the one who was on the Arsenio Hall, the Arsenio Hall show. Um, <laughs> Oh. Freddie did he did resonate with the mainstream right yeah mm-hmm. I mean to to go off of uh what Christian was saying too is that that's I mean I'm a Freddie fan of course but the reason I am a fan of his is because I I like the final the the, the protagonist right so I like that at the at the end of every movie he's um he's defeated in some ways because of a, a strong person. And like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I watch these films just for Freddie. I mean, he's, it's fun, but I think it's also because of the final characters. And I mentioned when we just talked about part two about Mark Patton's character and maybe not fully relating to him, but it's because I related actually more to like characters like Alice actually at the, and especially now, even still who, I know. I think you guys kind of ripped, ripped on her a little bit about, about looking like she was molested and stuff like that, which is true. But, but I think what was great about it is it, it, she has a lot of character growth through through not only this movie but the next one too. And um, she, you know, she starts off as being, you know, being withdrawn because you know she had a mother that died and then a, an alcoholic father that's abusive, and um, so she went internal you know and so Mm -hmm. as a gay person myself getting through high school that was totally me in a lot of ways and so i what i saw in that character was someone like me who you know funny enough was more in this role than in part two because i was the one you know i mean she didn't seem like she was picked on she was still hanging out with the cool group but you know 
But I related to her because as time went on, she had to come out of herself and face, you know, face her fears. And so I think that was why that char- this character was was really important for someone like me too because at the end and plus you know girl power girls kick ass and stuff and so i think i think that's what i liked about this character in in part four especially is because she was she was a really good final girl and i don't think she gets lisa wilcox gets a lot of credit or that character gets a lot of credit especially since she technically survived two two movies so yeah yeah i love the fact that for just a 90 minute movie, she's such a different person from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And there was so much that happened throughout the course of this movie too, that mm-hmm. to see that transition happen. And I love the fact, here's the thing. I know you guys hated it. At least I remember from the retro, but I love a good cheesy eighties montage. I love Me it. Too. Love it. Me I too. love a cheesy eighties montage. <laughs> I love good cheesy '80s movies, and that's exactly what Dream Master is to me. It's just good, <laughs> plain fun, and I love the fact that there was a montage of her because it, it, it there was a lot of foreshadowing at the beginning about her not wanting to look at herself in the mirror, and so then to have that montage of her slowly um, taking off the pictures of her friends, and then yes. literally taking a piece of strength from each of Freddy's victims with her to defeat him. I don't know. There was something that was so cool about that. Um, and it was different. And once again, it's the final girl on offense at the end, not just being defensive. That right. I don't know. I think that she she's definitely my second favorite of the leads outside of Nancy, because Nancy, of course, did it first. But I don't know. I, once again, I just love that this protagonist and they also pulled a Tina slash or Marion Crane again. Because Alice is just more in the background in that first half, and you start right. to think that you're with Tuesday night throughout the course of the movie. Now that Kristen's the new star, and so then the take her out 40 minutes into the movie kind of raises the stakes again, regardless of what you feel about her particular performance. And so, I don't know, I just feel like there were so many decisions that they made that were really nice, and really gave some depth or some substance to this movie that even... A lot of the flaws, similarly, but two, I'm able to look past because I'm just having a great time. I'm liking the character growth. Yeah. And I, I like, too, that, I mean, maybe it's a little on the nose, but they, they've used it a few times in these movies as the fairy tale or the fable. So, I, I mean, I like that they do the whole Alice in Wonderland thing, and it's the, you know, it's her through the looking glass. Yes. With, yes. With the, mm-hmm. And it, obviously, he says, welcome to Wonderland, Alice, in it, too. And so, but it, I, I like that. I like that kind of that ride. And I think also was, you know, and I I know it doesn't, maybe it doesn't really work from part three and part two when, you know, Freddie's in the mirror, but on this one, it's the counterpart, you know, to her, she sees herself in the mirror and she sees herself for who she is. And so that's kind of, I I, I like that. It's like, I guess a juxtaposition to um, how she ends up defeating Freddie is by him seeing himself. And yeah, it's actually smarter than what he... I think people give it credit for. Yeah. Um, what is mm-hmm. what I've discovered? <laughs> you know? And I've also and you know, discovered that it's not necessarily the characters that, and, and again, upon this viewing, like I said, I was really paying attention. The 
the characters and the story, it, that's not what I have a problem with in the later films. I discovered that it's actually Freddy that I have a yeah. problem with in the later films. Oh, film. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into Freddy. And okay. that it's just that when he is no longer, and I think he's still, he's actually still okay to me in this one. It's more so in the next, well, actually, and it's particularly in Freddy's Dead, but um, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse as it goes along. Right. And I think he just loses his scare factor. But as far as the storylines and the characters arcs, and I totally agree with you about Alice. Um, And I know we talked about her, you know, like looking abused and all of that. And, (laughs) and, uh, and it's true, you know, because a lot of times when people are abused, they will purposely and not even necessarily purposely, like not put thought into it, but they let themselves go. Her hair got all greasy. She was frumpy. She was kind of drawn into herself. But that is that's what happens is when uh, when there is a predator after you, you try to hide within yourself and you try to not make yourself conspicuous. So you're even subconsciously. So then as we see and then particularly in the next film she's much more vibrant she's my you know she washes her hair she is um she has come in own a little more you know mm-hmm. yeah so the the characters i think they did a really good job and as far as the story and the continuity they really tried so i don't i don't yeah. fault them for that right uh, but i think what it is is that freddie just loses he's not as menacing anymore and it that kind of takes away from it. So what I found myself doing is when he was on the screen, those were the sadly, those were the parts I didn't like as much. And it was yeah. all the character stuff that I was into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think this movie wow. suffers from, I don't know, like Halloween four syndrome where 100%. on its <laughs> own, people don't on its own. People tend to like it and they think it is a pretty good time and it's not a terrible movie. But those who already know the franchise know that's going to go down a really bad path in the next couple movies. Mm. And so sometimes when you watch Halloween 4, that's really what you start to think about is what's going to happen in the next couple that are not going to be good. And so I think this movie starts from the same thing where on its own, it's not a terrible movie. It could still be a fun time. But a lot of people know that this is the beginning of the spiral that led to the lesser good path of five and six so i think if this quality of movie came after five or after six it would have been appreciated a lot more as a step up because it's hard to come right after dream warriors anyway right that's a good comparison because uh, i don't like either of them halloween four or nightmare four and the funny thing is i didn't like them when I saw him the first time as a 16-year-old at the theater, after seeing the first ones and having expectations and then seeing this saying, oh, well, that was that. And the character stuff, I agree about Alice. I do like that. That's good stuff. I I just wish that they, they would have done things a little more metaphorically, like when she is taking the clothes off and wearing this from her friend and doing this and, you know, that montage. I dig that. It's just that they went that extra mile and, and okay, now I'm smoking and now I have these powers. I just wish they 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 didn't go just because they did it in part three with everybody having a dream power. But they deserve a dream power. They're the last of the Elm Street children. See, I guess I'm such a sucker for the one, two, three, for that trilogy and the way they wrapped everything up in three is a perfect way to wrap it up. And you are the last. 
last of the Elm Street children. And then, you know, the whole thing with the burial and the holy water. It was such a, a final perfect resting place. And I've been saying this all summer because on Exploding Heads we're talking about the Frankenstein movies. All the universals one after another. And sometimes when they start, when they bring Frankenstein back, it's done silly, but – we're excusing it because it's the 1930s and 40s, but we're saying, so this started way back here. People are critical of it in 80s movies. This actually started with the Frankenstein movies, and I keep saying this. I'm like, well, I still like his. I still like Frankenstein's return more than I like a dog peeing fire and the ground opening up. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never get over that. <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting that is really hard for the filmmakers of this one is at this point, a lot of kids love Freddy. And yes. so they have to do yeah. things in a way that would be super easy for children who are going to be taken to the theater could understand. And so that's why as an adult or as a late teenager, it's like, we, I get this. I don't need to be spoon-fed this. Well, some of the kids who are seven or eight years old with parents that are willing to take them to these kinds of movies, they need that stuff for them to understand what's going on. And I think the more character growth aspect is much more for the adults or the late teens anyway, who do understand more story. And so, I don't know, I felt like this movie was at least trying to balance between giving some depth, but then giving some ridiculous, cheesy, fun scenes. It's more for the kids. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it is. I agree That's with right. that. And that was, that was one thing that I think that, um, that in the original episode with you guys, as you were talking about, him like the like the roach motel and stuff like that like how would he know these things and i think it was right. it wasn't for for the characters for you know it was for the audience you know it was basically just ways for us to yeah to like him or yeah to feel okay because i i was that kid christian i nightmare four was the first movie i saw in the theater and i was probably like six so I, I, my parents must have the same kind of mentality or my grandma, I guess. But, um, but yeah, there, I think that a lot of, a lot of what's done with Freddie in this is, yeah, he is basically now become the comedian, but yeah, the catchphrases and stuff they're therefore they're for the audience, not for, not for the character. And the sunglasses. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what I hate worse, James Bond with Friday Six doing the James Bond thing, or, or Freddie doing the shark and the sunglasses. Yeah, that's pretty. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's, at that's least we already kind of figured. Yeah. I think what I liked about that that nightmare was, and I think it was touched upon in that episode too. It's it's finally it took Kristen somewhere else. It's no longer like oh, just is she in her house? Is she in the ha- in the you know in the Freddy house? Is she in the boiler room? So I I like that. I I mean, you know, I don't know. Jaws, the revenge, I think, was out at the time. So maybe not the best comparison, but I think it was, I don't know. It's just fun. It's just, it's fun and it's light. I, I think that's what I liked about it. And she had gotten the advice to, you know, Dream a happy place. Go go to somewhere happy. Go to yes. somewhere fun. Like force your dream in that direction. And what yeah. that proved was that you can, but he will just follow you. Exactly. Is that is that you cannot sure. defend yourself against him. And yeah. I like that. Uh, I also like the fact that she got Kristen's power because I, that was a clever way to having her pull something from each of her friends yeah. is a clever way. Although the um, the anti bug thing that <laughs> that she like she puts it on her belt and I'm like, OK, is that just a memento? Because it doesn't help you at all. But it's like a whatever. ghostbuster. But the fact that that's the thing she pulled from Kristen allows them to 
cleverly continue the idea that someone can have control. And I, you know, and then putting that in line with all of her pulling stuff from her other friends and her brother, I think that, you know, helps it kind of slip in there and make sense that now she has taken over this power. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Yeah, but you like the fact that in a dream, Kristen says, you'll need my powers and throws them to Alice (laughs) and they change the complexity of the whole movie. It's like watching freaking Rainbow Bright. Care Bears. <laughs> I can't stand it. Care Bears. Yeah. You okay. need my powers. It's the I, most childlike. I, I, I'm sorry. I cannot stand that line. That's that's but that's what I'm saying. Those Freddy, it's different from some of the other franchises where even though kids were watching ones like Friday the 13th, things like that, this one was really meant to try to appeal to yes. such a wide variety of audiences that, yes, there are going to be more stuff for five-year-olds. Yes, going to be more graphic, violent stuff for the adults. This movie just does it all, essentially. And so a lot of the parts that you don't like are much more the ones that were meant for Care Bear generation. <laughs> I mean, that is true. It didn't work, though. It didn't work because, yes, this movie did make money, but it's coming off the heels of part three. If you really want to see what people thought of part four, go look Watch at the number for part five. Part five did. Yeah. It just keeps declining. <laughs> so by making this move, instead of just trying to appeal to the hardcore horror audience with a little fantasy elements, the way they did it in part three, part three was a perfect combination. It was perfection. And then what they did with four, and I said this a million times, but they cranked everything to 11. And it's sequelitis in, in the worst possible way. And I'll stop talking about it now. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't, you guys love yeah. it. But, just, but, just, but, just final thoughts. It really is one of those movies where, yes, it led to a spiral in the other movies. But I think just taken on its own, I think it really is just a lot of fun. And typically, if I were to just throw on a movie, this is one of the ones I would do. This is my favorite outside of what I call the Heather Langenkamp trilogy. Yes. And... I don't know. I just think that it's just just such a fun movie to the point where, yes, there are some flaws in there, but uh, honestly, I think there's enough character growth in there that I don't see it being any worse than some of the other mediocre Halloweens or Friday the 13th. I don't think it ever went down such bad roads yet for this yeah. one just on its own. Well, and what what I liked, uh, so I I was thinking more about different uh, about some of the other complaints and stuff, and like like the the dog pee- pissing fire, <laughs> and like okay, so how I took that is that I I don't think it was the dog that actually brought him back. You know, I I do think it was Kristen having basically PTSD from the dreams or from from what happened in part three and kept coming back. And, hmm. you know, just like Kincaid said, I think Kincaid or Joey, one of them said, you know, if you keep coming back, you're going to bring him back. And I think that's exactly what happened. And so uh, I also and like, you know, that 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 weird scene with the claw marks on the locker. I think that's just to tell us that he's already there. And so, um, yeah, what I think. Uh, so, yeah, with the P with her constantly coming back it, i think it did steer him up and then him is it, just being grandiose was with the stupid dog and the peeing with the ping <laughs> fire but um i will say what i liked and it was covered in dream warriors and i think it just continued here is obviously they they didn't have time to develop their powers and so you know which is why you know taryn and all you know a lot of them died in the first and the, the third one 
but because they vanquished Freddy, they probably never continued to continue to develop. It would have been something to see if they did develop those powers and they, you know, to see how they did, you know, like Sarah Connor style, but in the dreams. But uh, that's what I took from that. Um, also, yeah, it's it's a very, it's a glossy film, I think, compared to the third one. It's strange how in a year, how like much darker and grittier the third one looked compared to part four. Like they, they really don't seem cohesive in that way. Um, but I like, you know, and, uh, you know, I like that whole MTV vibe of it where everything kind of felt like a music video and it, it, and everyone touched on it. Like those were the kind of people, you know, I, like all of you, I grew up with like Say by the Bell and, uh, 90210. So they were all people I wanted to be friends with. Um, right. And, um, I, I like the sound. I, I, I like the soundtrack. <laughs> I thought the soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. actually, what was in the movie, I like that, but actually the actual soundtrack sucked because they didn't, a lot of the licensing for like the Tuesday Night song and the Sinead O'Connor, all those songs weren't on it. But, um. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, no, it was, it was, I mean, there were other, there were the lesser known songs that were in it. Yeah, that you, you hardly knew we were, were in the movie. They were in the background. Right, exactly. And then, um, you know, what what also was great about Alice destroying Freddy is this, it was something direct from her. And I mean, in the yeah, Nancy. I mean, Nancy in the first one did vanquish him on her own, essentially. I mean, I guess she wasn't successful at the end of it, but in part three, it was really Neil Gordon that destroyed him with the holy water, and then Lisa helping destroy him in part two. But I like that Alice was the one that destroyed Freddy on her own um and it definitely was still religious because um when i was watching the never sleep again documentary well and this is what robert england said so who knows if this is actually what they had in mind when they had it but they said that alice when at first you think she's defeated and she looks up it's she's supposed to have like some sort of divine providence of i guess seeing god or god working through her so I, I looked up a little bit about the whole like evil seeing itself, and uh, the only thing I could find really quick on a whim was that um, man has no identity except the glorified identity God gives him as his pure image and likeness. So I assume I'm not a religious person at all, obviously, but like that's just what I found from that. So if they're going the religious way, I mean, I thought it was a cool, cool thing to. To, to use and plus you know we got to see Linnea Quigley's tits I mean yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I may be gay but I still appreciate a good set of knockers so why not? <laughs> <laughs> and hers are a good set I have to say they, and I, later on when they repurpose that scene in another film I noticed that they specifically bring back the tit part of <laughs> 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 uh, but did you guys notice, and this is another thing I picked up on, that they dropped the Freddy music for several of these musies, musies, movies. <laughs> it's, you know, the the very iconic Nightmare on Elm Street theme, the the Freddy theme, the... Oh, it's not in four, five, or it's, six? It's, if it's there, I couldn't hear it. Like, it's I... In the, it's in the very beginning of four, Okay, Right after the the opening, unfortunately, I think that's it. Right. Yeah, I think so it's weird. very subtle if it is there. But yes. honestly, that's part of the reason why we'll get to it. Why, like, New Nightmare. It's like revisiting yes. what you love. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And but I didn't I never knew that. I never noticed that before. Oh, and, I did. <laughs> and then I was like, what the fuck? And I turned to Brian. I'm like, have you heard the Freddie theme at all? And he's like, no, I guess I haven't. And I'm like, what the hell? I never knew that. <laughs> and it's such an iconic horror theme. You know, like right up there with Friday and Halloween, people, you play that bit of music and people know what it's from. So I, how did I never notice that before? But maybe that too kind of played in with Freddie not being as threatening anymore. Like maybe that kind of subconsciously affected my view of Freddie. Right. They were letting you know right then and there. It's not the same (laughs) Freddie. It's a scary song. There's no there's there's not enough scares in the movie. There's not that scary feeling throughout like you have in the original. Really, I think they only use it in the Nancy trilogy, right? One, three, and uh, New Nightmare. Yeah, at yeah, least no, not, it's not in prominently. Two. Yes. Definitely not a two. Right, two went a day. I remember complaining that the two went, even though I enjoy uh, the one and two, and it's from another good composer. Don't get me wrong. I just thought that the first one was so iconic. That I was very surprised that they did that switch when they did two. But then, again, it comes back in three a little bit, but that's it. Then they, you know, it's weird. Surprising. Yeah, they didn't capitalize on that theme much. But they no. did. They did capitalize on the one, two. And now, yes. they even go all the way. Yeah, and the girls. Yes. Constantly, right. And <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> I'm curious as to what you two feel after this discussion. Did it did it, did it pull you up on this movie or maybe just a little? This is one that I don't I actually don't remember what I said on the retro. Um if I said that I outright hated it, uh, I don't think I ever did. Uh, if I did, then I was just in a really bad headspace at that time, or maybe like. No, I think I that- think you just didn't argue too much with anything me or Dave said. You kind of yeah. you kind of uh, went with it because there was really nothing to defend it. I guess so. You yeah, right. The, I think it was the, the most quiet Jamie on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's mm. rare. <laughs> I think there was less Jamie in that one. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, because I never hated this one. It was a different Jamie in that one. It, it yeah. was. <laughs> different cast member. And the, uh, the, like, the cockroach death, that has always been one of my favorites in the entire franchise. It's cool um, looking, yeah. And mm-hmm. I loved the fact that Debbie was also, and back then, I don't know if anybody even cares about this or remembers it, but there was a show called Just the Ten of Us. Yes. And Heather Langenkamp... <laughs> And uh, what the hell's her name? I can't remember her name. But Debbie, uh, that yes, Thice or Thies, yeah, she was. Um, she played Heather Langenkamp's sister on that, and the, gr- and the girl from yeah. Part Two. Yes, and I, I that I loved that connection. I always thought that was cool. Also, the way that I watched this one has always stuck in my memory because. We I didn't actually go to the theater to see this one, but my mom's boyfriend at the time had it. And so Andalay. So we watched it, my <laughs> friend and I watched it that way. And it just and I remember that Debbie Death was just really uh I don't know, it's it stuck to me. So uh this one I never I never hated it. I always, you know, I kinda liked it and then it was from here on that I was kind of spotty, you know, like in and out of the series. Mm-hmm. But um this one, yeah, and and now, so with my most recent watches, plus what these guys have said, which I totally agree with, I 
yeah, I did. I came up even higher than I was before. Wow. Now, Dave, how about you? You are, you're, you're just on the same playing ground as I am with this movie. So, what do you think now, man? Well, the thing is, my anger with this movie, a lot of it had to do with. Yes, my complaints, I believe, are valid. When, when I when I you know I had a whole sheet of them with question marks at the end of every freaking thing because there was so many issues I had. Yeah, I remember Gary Hill's show. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. I can't just wipe that slate and say that that never happened. I don't think that anymore. But my my issue was always that three was so great, and they had a, such a great opportunity to whatever. And then what they did with this was just. Like you said at the beginning, Alex, like a a, a cheap version of it with, with worse writing, and, and they took some of the stuff from the other one. Now everybody has a dream power, and this one doesn't like cockroaches in real life, so it's going to play into her dream. It just became this this real formulaic thing, which I didn't like. I like that one, two, and three were all very different. You know what I mean? And then now they just try to keep taking the success. Yeah, they're just copying three, right? Right. And say, so, okay, we'll just do this. It's easy to do. We'll crank it out. So part of my anger was that because one three was so great. And this one, I always say to my friends, we should watch part three one night uh, for so much fun. And then part four for a so bad it's good thing to see how far <laughs> it fell. You know what I mean? And And that's kind of the way I felt. And then coming on the internet, and I know we shouldn't do this. It's not right. But – when I saw so many people loving it, I was like, how do you not see all these things? What? I don't understand the <laughs> love this movie is getting. Same thing with Halloween 4. I'm like, how do people not – how do you put this on a pedestal with one through three? And So that was part of it. But again, I can't wipe my complaints clean. However, out of, out of everything that came after three, um, this is kind of like a plug-and-play where I feel – and I thought about it recently – but then I always go back to the shark scene and the glasses. I'm like, nah, I can't do it. But I, I watching, like picking it up, saying, hey, I haven't watched part four in a while. It'll, I'll catch a buzz or something. It'll be fun, whatever. And I almost did it. So if I'm going to pick a one up just to watch and not in a serious mood, like a one or a three, I could watch this over five and six and stuff like that. It's not worse than those movies. And I will say that the conversation in the discussion about Alice – and what's happening with her character is actually quite cool. And I don't think we get any of that character stuff again in five and six, even though Alice is in five. I don't think it's it's as poignant, at least. I know something happens and maybe her boyfriend dies. I can't you get re- a cool biker scene, though, man. Yeah, the need for speed. <laughs> don't even. Yeah. Um. So I don't I'm going to tell you this. I don't hate it as much as I used to hate it. It's tolerable. And like I like what you guys said about Alice. So with that knowledge, I think I could like it a little bit more. I think that that's fair to say. It's definitely better than five and six. So I say, I, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I reiterate the same thing. Um, I don't think I could wipe my slate clean. Um, I've lived with these issues for like a decade. Whenever I imagine the movie, it still seems like a cheap version of three um i don't like uh the replacement girl i don't like the way they i I don't even know what joey and kincaid were brought back for um don't like the dog pissing thing i do like most of the kills i don't like the brother the poor man's Corey feldman or whatever he was supposed to be uh and the screech girl i guess she was okay and 
the Tory was whatever. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like Freddy. The difference isn't Freddy. That's rough for me to like ignore. Like that's when I feel like he changed. Although you guys, so I guess you guys see this more as like the bridge to badness. It's the bridge. I don't think it's completely the opposite side of Dream Warriors. It's just a, it's one step up a notch. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like if five, six, and seven to me are worse than this one. So yeah, I guess this this is the bridge. So um, what the hell is wrong with seven? I'm so so bad at that, <laughs> but honestly, I'll I'll take the wins for Dream Master. It's just it's just lighthearted fun. Okay, and listen, you might convince me Seven's good. I think this that I character development is what saves some of these entries compared to some other franchises. Yes, and continuity. Yeah, with characters, you know. Yeah, but like in the same yeah, like Dave said, in the same spirit as that, I can't. Like act like I don't know all these things, but I think I could let off a little bit, and I could see the enjoyable factors of the movie, and I I can I can enjoy it a little bit more. So I would I would say I could go to like I, I'm sure this isn't good enough, but I can go like three out of five. Okay, fair. That means I like it. Yeah, that's technically sixty percent, which is a fresh Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> So I'm a two and a half. What, what was I last time? I think it's like a one and a half or something. Yeah. Goddamn, guys. I'm at a four. Nice. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is a four for me, too, if I had to guess. I'm really strict. I'm really strict I, on my rating yeah. system. I, would go I save my fives for my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, four and a half for me. And, you know, even getting any of you guys to move it up like half a point is, to me, a, a win. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's hard to change someone's mindset when they've had something for a decade or longer in just a 20-minute conversation. Well, I well, I think what pushed it over for me, again, was just recognizing that they were in the past. I didn't really notice how much they did try. And they they did. They did try to keep it going and to make it make sense. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but the effort is there. And right. I Absolutely. recognize that now, yeah. and I, I appreciate that. No lakes going into Manhattan. Exactly. Ooh, you know Ooh. what? It's a two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's two and a half. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to end everything right here. Uh, we did... We covered Nightmare on Elm Street 1, 2, and 4 on this show. So we're going to split it up nice, break it into two shows. Now, if I keep the show shorter, it'll be easier to get to 200 shows, and then I can brag about that one day. <laughs> so uh, join us next week as we dive once again into Nightmare on Elm Street 5, 6, and 7. You guys have a lot of work ahead of you, so uh, this should be interesting. But I'm really glad we did this, uh, revisiting the Nightmare on Elm Street series eight years later to the day. Literally, we were in the thick of it right now in 2015. So here we are in 2023, revisiting. I think we made a lot of progress here. I think we've really come up in our ratings. I think we are adding the Nightmare on Elm Street movies to our regular rotation by leaps and bounds compared to what it has been for the last 20 years. Except for our favorites, of course. 
<clears throat> and that's good. I always wanted that. I really, I really like Freddy, and I always wanted him to be a part of my yearly uh, journeys. So this is good. Boneheads, Skelination, tune in next week as we finish out this revisiting of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I hope you're hungry. Bon appetit, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>